The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning. In this episode of Ask Harry, Harry continues his conversation with Steve Weissman, an attorney and expert on scams, identity theft, and cybersecurity. Steve Weissman, thank you for coming back. We did, we did a, our earlier podcast about scams aimed at seniors, and uh, now we want to talk about identity theft, which we're, we're all uh, potential victims of, and especially uh, how the internet affects affects that. And uh, but why don't we start by, if you just tell Tell us what identity theft is. You know, identity theft is the biggest crime of the 21st century. And uh, it can uh, lose you your accounts. It can ruin your credit. Uh, it can affect your credit report. And, you know, is that a big deal? It is a big deal. And it's a big deal not just for your credit report in case you're going for a, a home mortgage or some kind of a loan. But employers will check your credit report, uh, whether they're going to hire you. Insurance companies will check it to see if they're going to give insurance. Uh, there are a lot of ways your credit report is important. Perhaps one of the uh, most dangerous areas when it comes to uh, identity theft is medical identity theft. Mm -hmm. And this is where your medical insurance is uh, hacked and the criminals will sell it and use it. And so someone will be using your medical insurance. The problem comes where this is a form of, uh, you know, there, there's one thing, okay, my coverage is used up because someone has already uh, used my, uh, my insurance. And often, and as you know, and, and your listeners know, we get something that was not named very well when our insurance is used. It's called an explanation of benefits, the right. EOB. Explain, Whatever that means. Explains nothing. And unfortunately, what a lot of people do, and uh, I hate to admit this, there have been times myself, my eyes go to the bottom right-hand corner. Do I have to pay anything? No. All right. Well, then I don't care about explaining. Right. But what happens is people may not be aware that their insurance has been used and uh, it just may be covered. So here's the real problem. Let's say a, uh, an identity thief uses your medical insurance. Their information will corrupt your medical records. Mm -hmm. And so they can even have medications to which you're allergic or make it really basic. A blood type that isn't your blood type it, can corrupt your health insurance plans. But wait, it's not that bad. It's worse because under our wonderful HIPAA laws, and here Mark Twain once said the opposite of progress is Congress, <laughs> under our HIPAA laws, you can't remove the false information because that violates the privacy rights of whoever hacked into your, your insurance. You can have a notation that this is disputed, but it's still on your medical records. Wow. So uh, identity theft, I also saw a situation of criminal identity theft. Isn't all identity theft criminal? Well, this is where someone steals your identity and uh, commits a crime using your name. They jump bail and, yeah, I'm sorry, sir, you've got a taillight out. You also have an arrest warrant. There was a, a, a woman who spent four nights in jail uh, because she had jumped bail after uh, she had gone to a car dealership, given them her driver's license, and then took the car and left uh -huh. three times. This has happened. 
wasn't this woman. I mean, this happens in Florida. The woman lives in Massachusetts. Wow. No, I wasn't there. But someone had accessed her information and used it in this fashion. So uh, identity theft is, uh, it's very, very scary. Uh, it's unfortunately easy to accomplish, but there are a lot of things you can do to help keep yourself from being the low hanging fruit. Good, what do you do? <laughs> One of the first things you can do, and hopefully none of your listeners uh, are uh, Equifax people or deal with Equifax. I hate Equifax and I'll get into why. I was actually an, an expert witness in one of the class actions against Equifax, mm -hmm. which thrilled me. Equifax suffered a data breach and a massive data breach. 148 million of us uh, got our uh, data stolen, including social security number. And this again, a, a, a reminder that we're only as safe as the weakest places that have our, our information and security, which is another kind of a, a quickie tip. Um, I went to my optometrist, checked my uh, prescription for my glasses, and they wanted my social security number. They don't need my social uh -huh, security right. number. Yeah. And actually, they were very nice when I said, well, you know, you really don't need it. Um, I'll give you my driver's license. Okay, that's fine. Because what if the, you know, the low-hanging fruit, the companies that aren't protecting, they get hacked, and they do get hacked, mm -hmm. and your social security number or other personal information is taken. So Equifax got hacked because they were careless. The hackers exploited a vulnerability in a type of software called Apache software for which a security update had been issued four months before Equifax got hacked. Mm. And they didn't bother to get around to updating it. Uh, I remember uh, screaming at my television <laughs> watching congressional testimony when someone from Equifax said, and I couldn't believe they even didn't have the filters to not say, well, the guy, the guy in charge of security, uh, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't at the uh, the company for a while. The guy, you got one person <laughs> for, for, who's taking for a company uh, like is, Equifax. Is, right. Oh yeah. yeah, so it was crazy. The good thing to come out of it was that in the past, our credit freeze and credit freeze is the singular best thing you can do to protect yourself from identity theft. Even if someone has your personal information, even if they have your social security number, they're not going to be able to get new loans or big purchases using your credit because they can't access or provide a lender access to your credit report. But the credit reporting agencies, they always made it hard. And the reason is they don't want us to freeze our credit. It's like when the tobacco companies, we don't want you to smoke. Yes, you want us to smoke. That's right. what you're in the business of. Right. And Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, they sell our information. And if we have frozen our account, they're not selling that information. So they made it difficult. They charged you every time you froze and unfroze your credit report. But now, uh, since it's been a year, and year from September, the federal law will allow anyone, including your children, which couldn't be uh, uh, have a credit report frozen before at all, now they can do it, and that's important, to freeze your credit at no charge and unfreeze it at no charge. And I, I actually had the opportunity to see how it would work with the, with the unfreezing. I, uh, I lease my car. And so my lease was up. I'm getting a new lease. Uh, Ask them, okay, what, what credit reporting agency do you use? No, no, we use all three. So I had to unfreeze, but what I found that they're doing now, which is really nice, is you can go in online and do it, it's very simple, and you can put in how long you want it unfrozen. So I didn't even have to go uh -huh. back in again. I, I picked 48 hours. Uh, 
to have it unfrozen and give them time, the bank, to check out my, my credit reports. So, and, so, so just to make it clear, so we, anybody and everybody's yep. listening should go to Equifax, Experian, and what's the other one? TransUnion. And TransUnion online yep. and freeze your credit. Absolutely. There is no downside to it. It is convenient to do, and it is the best singular thing you can do. And here, it, it's one of the things also, there are various companies that call themselves identity theft protection. Mm-hmm. No. It's here, well, here's the example. You're crossing a street, and a truck hits you. And within two seconds, someone runs out and says, you know, hey, Harry, you just got hit by a truck. That's that's uh, that's LifeLock. That's the the yeah. uh, the identity theft protection. They're not protecting you, but they're notifying you sooner that you become a victim. Uh-huh. And in, an interesting thing is that absolutely none of the so-called identity theft protection services help you at all with a credit freeze, except for one. And I got to admit, it, I have an interest in that. I endorsed this particular company. And the reason I endorsed them, they said, will you endorse us? And I said, no, because you don't do this, this, and this. And they said, well, what would we have to do? I said, for one thing, you'd have to be the first one to provide for credit freezes. And they said, we'll do that. Uh Uh, It's called Identron. But what you, credit monitoring is helpful. It is good. And it does notify you sooner than later. But you also want to take specific steps like, credit freezes for yourselves and your kids. Kids are seven times more likely to become victims of Mm -hmm. identity theft. They generally don't find out until maybe they're 18 and suddenly they're getting a a car loan or college scholarships, and then they've got a mess that they have to fix. So uh, freezing your kid's credit, not quite as simple as an adult. With an adult, Mm -hmm. we can do the whole thing online. With a a child, uh, you have to do do it by mail. on my blog, scamicide.com, you can just, when it says search for scams, put in credit freeze and it'll give you all the information you need as far as uh, what to do, where to send it for uh, a regular credit freeze or for your children. So you, you mentioned your website, which yes. provides that information, and you also have a book on this topic right. as well. What, yes. is, what is it called? It's called. Um, well, got a number of about 10, but oh. Identity Theft Alert is the last one. And it was, it was interesting, too, because I, I just gave a, uh, a talk at uh, Stetson University in, in Florida. They had, had a course, and they were using my Identity Theft Alert book as the, the textbook, and it was for incoming freshmen. And one of the ways they alerted the, the freshmen of the problems is the very first class, the students came to class. And there was the professor, apparently, and she handed out a sheet for all of them to sign in their name and uh, their, uh, their ID number and their social security number. <laughs> and they all did it. So at that point, they handed in to the professor. The professor starts to leave. In comes the real professor oh. who had set the whole thing up and said, who are you? <laughs> and then turned to the class and said, you just turned over all your personal information to someone merely because they asked for it. And so that's, uh, that's what Very it is. good. There was, when I was doing my first book on identity theft, and part of the problem is there will be some companies that will say, we won't do business with you unless you give us your social security mm-hmm. number. And there are no laws that 
allow you to say, no, you can't have that. You can just choose not to do business with them. So I used to see floating around on the internet, they said, if, if that happens, and we're not endorsing it here, give them Richard Nixon's social security <laughs> number. So they used to be easy access, and this was a way that, uh, in particular, identity thieves would attack uh, the estates of people, is it was called the Death Master Index. Social Security put it out. It sounded like something from, you know, Darth Vader. Right, yes. Yeah. And uh, th you could look up the Social Security number for anyone who had died. Really? And so I figured, okay, I'll wow. look it up. And I found Richard Nixon's was exactly the one that was floating mm -hmm. around on the Internet. It's also a matter of in estates when someone passes away routinely you should contact the three credit reporting agencies and let them know uh, that the person is deceased because mm -hmm. the bad guys will check out obituaries and they will run up uh, debts and credit card debt uh, for the deceased who may not obviously be aware of it. So that's something we need to make sure is part of our checklist for every probate. Exactly. Very good. So, so sounds like freezing our credit is yeah. really the main thing we can do. Are there any other other ways we can protect ourselves? Yeah, the big ones are you come down to passwords and dual factor authentication and security questions. So your password password's critical. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what the bad guys have done is relied on the fact that many of us use the same password for everything because right. it's just easier to yeah. remember. And the problem there is with the myriad of data breaches, if your password, and it doesn't seem that's fairly innocuous, it's not my social security number, not mm -hmm. my credit card number. Mm -hmm. My password is hacked, so what? My, they, they can go into Amazon. No, they can also perhaps go to your bank mm -hmm. or other or brokerage accounts. So here's the thing, you got a choice. You have to have a unique password for each and every account. You can use a password manager, and these are, these are terrific. These will uh, mm -hmm. make a, a, a nice, neat, new password for all your accounts. But Such it, as, so what are those? Is that something like LastPass? I've heard yeah, of that one. Yeah, exactly. Are there other ones? That, that there are a number of them, but frankly, it, it's probably my paranoia. I don't use them. Oh, uh, Because okay. for me, it's, and I'm not saying not to use them because they work very well. But they have been hacked. And uh -huh. it's kind of like, once again, why does, you know, the bank robber rob banks because that's where the money is. These are, these are uh -huh. targets. So wow. here's my tip. My tip is, first of all, you don't want to use any kind of a word uh, that's in the dictionary. There are what they call brute force attacks where the bad guys can, they'll find it. Uh -huh. You want something long with letters, symbols, capitals, small letters. So you take a sentence. I don't like passwords. You got capital letters, small letters, you got an apostrophe. Add a couple of exclamation points at the end. You now have a good base password. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make that my base. And for my Amazon password, it's going to be I don't like passwords, two exclamation points, AMA. So you can just take your base, but distinguish it each time. Mm -hmm. And that way you can have a unique password. But that's not going to be enough. Because sometimes you've got the hackers who, I forgot my password. So what do you have to do? Just answer a security question. Mm -hmm. Something that no one could possibly know, like my mother's maiden name. And mm -hmm. I mean, this is, these are the kinds of common things. I just had something that asked for that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, Sarah Palin notably had her email account taken over. And her, uh, hers was, uh, 
her security question was one that you know, may seem like uh, was a difficult one. It was, uh, where did I meet my husband? Mm-hmm. And it was the, the hacker went to uh, Wikipedia and found out she met him at Wasilla <laughs> High School and took over. But we think, you know, well, no one's going to know my pet. Yes, they are. And they're watching your social media. Uh-huh. Or even if, uh, you know, Colin Powell was a victim of identity theft and they answered the street he uh, his, where his first home was. You can find almost oh, anything wow. on the Internet. But here's the easy solution. And my banking, uh, my banking security question is, what's my mother's maiden name? Well, my mother's maiden name is Fire Truck. We come from a long line of fire. <laughs> you don't have to answer this right, honestly. You so you make and you go, oh, you know, wow. how am I going to remember that? And I, and this one I do say, trust me, you will remember this silly thing like Fire Truck. Uh-huh. But we want to go more because there's some really good bad guys out there or astute bad guys, uh, and. What if they get your username? What if they get your password? And how could they do it? It's like, I was, look, I was giving a speech and we were talking about what Shakespeare said that the fault is not in the stars, the fault is in us. Well, the fault was in the stars if the star was Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence was very upset when she had nude photos of her stolen from her account in the cloud. And she was very upset with uh, Apple for how the iCloud had bad security right up until they found out who hacked her. And it was a hacker who used a very sophisticated manner of breaking into her account. He sent her an email, said, we're the cloud. We're at we're the we're the Apple Cloud. We need to confirm your username and password. <laughs> so she gave it to them. So, how do you protect yourself from that? And the, the way you do that is with something called dual factor authentication. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a pain in the neck, but it really isn't. So if someone is if I'm going to use my username and password and. For instance, I'll do this with my banking, and I don't even have to use the dual factor if I'm doing it from my own phone, my own computer. Mm-hmm. But if I'm from somewhere else, when I put in username and password, they send a one-time code to my phone, mm-hmm. which I enter. So it's a very right. simple way to do it. And totally foolproof. Well, no, nothing's <laughs> foolproof. Right. So sure. about a week ago, the CEO of uh, Twitter got his account taken over. Oh. And I'm looking at that going all right, I know smart people make silly decisions. So did he not have dual factor authentication? He did have dual factor authentication. And he was a victim of something that is just starting to happen more. And it's called SIM swapping. SIM card is the guts of your phone. It's your phone number. It's all of the information. And you can switch it. I got a new phone recently. All I had to do was call my provider and they switched it into my new phone. Mm-hmm. And that's what the bad guys did here. They called his provider, posed as him, answered a security question or sometimes the last four digits of the social security number. And the SIM card was switched into wow. the phone owned by the bad guy. So they put it in, the, the dual factor comes out, except it goes to the bad guy. But here we've got an easy solution. So at least at least we know these bad guys are, are really working at it and they're creative. And <laughs> they are creative, but I'll tell you a funny thing, Harry. There was some, you know, a lot of security companies that look into them uh, found the most common password used by the bad guys was password. They're no <laughs> more <them>. careful <laughs> than the rest of us. They're just as, as, as negligent. They're, they're easy to they, get. They figure they're not going to be victims. Yeah, they're the, they're the, it, you know, honor among thieves. <laughs> right. Who's going to do it to me? Right. 
But this this SIM card swapping, and here's another thing we do have on on, Sam, on scamicide.com, put in where search for scam, put SIM card. And you can call your provider and uh, you can give them a PIN that to use instead of just your uh, uh, security question. And that will work. Or if you're among, like me, the, the, the worst of the paranoid, I inform my carriers my SIM card cannot be changed except by me in person. Mm-hmm. So, person. I mean, mm-hmm. you, can, you can take these steps. Uh, and they're, they're basic steps that will keep you from becoming the low-hanging fruit. Right. Unfortunately, it could be a full-time job. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, that is, that's part of the problem. There's always someone out there looking to make a problem. It, it, as long as we're talking to our seniors. Uh, Social Security uh, has a My Social Security account, and uh, it's a a portal you can use to get all the information for your Social Security. I've got one. Everyone should have one. Everyone should have one, whether you're on Social Security or not. And the reason is, one of the things you can do with this My Social Security account is you can direct where your check is going to be sent. And so what the bad guys are doing is they're setting up my social security accounts for oh. people who don't already have one wow. and then changing where to send the account. Uh-huh. So even if you're not getting a getting social security at the moment, set up the account, set up the account for your kids. Anyone who has a social security number can do so because by setting up the account, you prevented the bad guys from setting one up in your name ahead of time. So, so if I can go through to review the things you should do, you should freeze your credit Yep. on the three uh, credit checking agencies. You should use complicated passwords and a different one for every, uh, every, um, every, everywhere you every have account. one, yep. but you need some system for doing it. You should, um, in terms of security questions, you should not answer honestly. Yep, nonsense. Use, yeah, don't say what your mother's maiden name was, but make up something else for that. And... Um, and where you can use dual, what dual was factor authentication. Dual factor authentication. And the final one sounds like on Social Security, you should sign up for mysocialsecurity.com. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to do your My Social Security account. And, uh, you know, these, it, it seems like sometimes people think that the, t- the task is overwhelming. And uh, I've created my own new word. Uh, the word is whelming. So it's not <laughs> overwhelming. There is a lot that goes into it. But initially, you're kind of like setting up the protocols and you can stay, stay to these protocols, have things in place. And, you know, I'll give you an, let me close with, before I taught it, I teach at Bentley University. Before I taught there, I taught in the state prison system. And I had a student of mine who was doing two consecutive life sentences, which meant wow. when he died, he would start his second life sentence. So I asked him, I said, oh, I was kind of curious about that. He said, me too. When I got sentenced, I yelled up at the judge, how do you expect me to do two consecutive life sentences? And he said, the judge looked down and said, just do the best you can. So ultimately, we can we do the best we can. Is it going to be perfect? No. But frankly, uh, it will go a long way towards protecting you. It sounds like a good advice for life exactly. as well as life sentences. So uh, thank you, Steve. Just uh, to remind everybody that you can get more information about this from Steve Weissman's website, scamaside.com, and from his most recent book, Identity Theft Alert. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can 
find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes. If you're interested in Harry's book, Get Your Ducks in a Row, The Baby Boomer's Guide to Estate Planning, please visit margolis.com. That's M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S.com. Ask Harry is a production of Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network.